Hi, and welcome back to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know you're busy, and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may likely be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We've recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. Today's episode is going to be a book club because lo and behold, a client of mine sent me a care package. It was very sweet. I was touched. And inside of it was a book. 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. And Susan stole it away right away and gobbled it up. And it was talking to me the whole time. And now I'm reading it as well. But it is fascinating. And it's a different sort of self-help book, a different sort of time management. And we want to give you kind of a sneak peek to help your busy day because I'm sure you're rushing around commuting now that COVID is allowing us to commute. And so we want to give you some tidbits. Yes. I mean, there are a lot of things in this book that I have heard and seen in many forms, not always related to time management. So it was interesting to see someone address some of these things specifically around time because time is one of those things that I don't know about you, but I know I complain a lot that I don't have enough time or I'm not going to get this done. And I'm pretty lousy at actually following any time management thing that you've ever tried to get me to do, right, Chris Marie? I mean, you've, we've tried them all, Franklin Covey, everything. Uh, so, yes, you know. and I love those time management things. I eat them up and try the different ones. And this is kind of a, it's even an interesting, it's a different time management, totally different time management book. Well, probably mostly because the whole, you know, the general summary statement at all is you're never going to get control of time. <laughs> so don't read this book if you think that's that it's going to give you an answer. So I love that. And they didn't put it in the title, but it's, <laughs> and I still think you should read the book, even if you're, you know, only going to read it if you think you could get answers. But the point is, you know, time management is really kind of a waste of time. time. <laughs> So, well, know. I think because we so often think, oh my gosh, if I could only get an, a control of my time, then I'd be successful. I'd feel good. I'd feel fulfilled. And so there's this, you know, trying, trying to squeeze more in, especially, let's say, working moms who are managing the kids, the home, and their career. It's like, okay, I can, I can have it, have it all. And that's, kind of crazy making. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, you know, there's a lot of talk about being more productive, becoming more productive. But the reality, reality of it is often people who become more productive just put more pressure on themselves to become even more productive. And it's a never ending cycle. It's, yeah, he calls know. it the efficiency trap. Like, you know, even at work, you know, you get your work done faster. And so the next project comes up, who's the boss going to give that to? Not the person who works slow. No, he or she's going to give it to you because you're working faster. And we do it to ourselves. Like, ooh, I got all that done. What else can I do? I mean, there, there, there are many parts of this book, and we're obviously only going to tap on a few today because we actually have limited time for this podcast. <laughs> so we, but we do want to make it, you know, a moderately meaningful evaluation of the book. So you'll be inclined to want to reach out for it. So a couple things that I found really interesting to me is like even the notion of, you know, 
if you're looking for your soulmate, let's take that one. You want to find that perfect person for you. And the reality is you could spend your whole life. You could miss out on so much if you don't realize that you could have a relationship with somebody that's joyful, meaningful, probably has some conflict in it, but, yeah. and they don't have to check all the boxes. And that's actually incredibly powerful. And you know, too many people I know do sort of try to find the right person. And it's like, well, Maybe that's not as important as committing to the process of being in the time you do have with someone. So you're relating this to time, or he relates it to time, in the sense of we can spend a lot of time looking for the perfect person mm -hmm. and miss just the moments of fulfillment that we would get with somebody who was a good enough partner. I think of that even, you could say soulmate, you could talk about a career like that. like. We talk about it often in the work we do around, you know, we're all seeking to do, play a game in life. Life is somewhat of a game and, or a train. You could, there's another friend of mine that <laughs> likes that reference. And you have to pick one. And the idea is you pick the game and you play it. Fully. Full out. Yeah. You don't, you're not, you're not even really, some people think you're playing it to win. It's not that. It's not about winning. It is about playing the game. And that's really what this book is all about. Is you know, it's so funny because as a time management person, I think one of the things that I have often got caught up in in my life is, well, I need to be perfect. I need to be the best, the best at my job. And until I'm there, I can't really settle down and celebrate like even that I'm a successful businesswoman or a successful business owner, not even woman, but successful. Like, when am I going to actually admit that? Yeah. <laughs> because I keep, I've had our business for 20 years. You think it's, I, I've successfully done it, but I keep looking for this nirvana, which yeah. keeps me out of enjoying today, which is really that existential he talks yeah, about that. He so. does. He talks about the idea of our cosmic insignificance, <laughs> you know, and basically- Sorry to break it yeah, to you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that I can't remember the specifics. You'll have to read the book for this. But <laughs> if you really looked at the, the phenomenal people who stood out or supposedly stood out, there are not very many of them over the course of how long humans have been together. So the likelihood of any one of us probably even listening to that being that- <laughs> Einstein or Michael, very slim. Michelangelo. Uh, yeah, you know, but the idea being that what's significant is a moderately meaningful life. So, you know, really looking at what is the meaning you're making of the moment you're in. Not necessarily, because most of us are seeking to have this, what are we going to leave behind? And mm -hmm. that's just, you know, the reality of that is it's just a way to avoid our fear that we are going to die. Yes. And we are going to end. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately is the biggest message in this book is we have a finite amount of time. 4,000 weeks about if you live to about 80. <laughs> yes. So, and that we have a choice on how we want to utilize that time. And that's what's really, you can make choices about that. And I think one of the parts that was very interesting, and I know you're going to grab hold of this one, is the notion of we actually want to be in sync with each other. And a lot of good things come out of that synchronization. And that, you know, because there's like the idea that, wow, there's the nomad these days who can go all over the world and work from anywhere. But the reality of it is those people don't always end up as happy, even though they've created the ultimate way to travel, they're alone. Mm -hmm. And that really isn't the best thing. They, they did a test in Sweden that I don't remember the name, so you can look in the book. But the <laughs> research was that they, they wanted to study the Swedes and how the 
the relationship between when the Swedes were on vacation and the dispensary of pharmaceuticals, <laughs> antidepressants. Oh, okay. Now, the obvious thing is when people are off work, less, they're happier. Okay. okay. <laughs> that was that that did conclude that. But the thing that was even more interesting that wasn't as new was this idea that really when it really went down was when everyone was off work, when there was communities off of work, when there was because the pressure that we put on ourselves, if we we could take time off, but that's actually not the same as having communal time because we want to be with our family. We want to be able to connect. There's less pressure when everyone is off. I mean, I see that in you. Like, oh, it's I was going to. Yeah, Susan, I really get that because when COVID hit, it was like, Oh my gosh, I felt relief because I didn't have to dress up. I didn't have like, ooh, I should go to that party, that social pressure to go out and perform and travel. I could, you know, everybody was saying no. So, and this shows up what I love to do. I'm an actor and I love acting, but what I even love more is dancing and dancing in sync with everybody. I so much want to be in a flash mob because that is my nirvana and it feels so cool. And I am a part of a dance class where we do hip hop and dance in heels and we're all doing it together. And I just did it last night and I love it. And you know what? I'll say watching you in that, I don't really hear you ever worry about whether you were good enough or whether you yeah. did it right. I mean, sometimes you go in with your normal angst around, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it. But the joy, you don't seem to get caught in that. And I think some of that is the synchronization. Some of it's the music, the mm -hmm. rhythm. There's a Moving lot of things. my body. You know, if you join a community choir, it, that idea of singing together. Last night, I went to our community Christmas musical. musical. <laughs> and what I loved most about this, I was so, they were singing the spirit of Christmas, which has a lot to do with that joy of singing. I don't, you know, I'm not, a, I don't know if I'm as big on Christmas because it's, I don't even think of it as being about Christianity or anything. I think of being about Santa and the spirit of giving and the spirit of being in sync. You know, I, th I think <laughs> I was even thinking about rowing and my, how addictive, and you rowers out there know this, that like once you get a hold of it, you're like, ooh, I want more. And it is all about mm. synchronization and how powerful that is in a boat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I am, it's curious why that's so powerful, but it must, well, it must I, be part of our primitive brain that we want to synchronize and connect. And, yes. I mean, you know, and then, so that's the joy of it is the idea that you're talking about when you're doing hip hop and moving and, but in the military, they use marching, which is all synchronization because when people, when they're marching, they actually start to feel like they belong. They feel a part of something. Uh, and that notion of being in sync and feeling like they belong to something actually makes it much more easy that they're going to go and do what they have to do to protect what they think they belong to. Wow. So, and that's you know, powerful because I, I think the other part of the book was like, no way is marching a helpful thing in going into war. You never have these troops that nowadays, you know, but the but other they, benefit of it, I, they still powerful. do marching, um, yeah. but they don't do it necessarily related to the strategy task. and war. They yeah. do it because it is a way to feel good and belong now, you know, and that is important. So yeah. I remember when I was in my university, we used to sing in the morning. The guy who founded it was, a, and we'd do, we'd all stand up and sing together. And he really enjoyed directing us. And I-, I This was in your master's program, yeah, right? Yeah, my master's, family systems, you know. <laughs> um, you know. There is, it is amazing how much that connection. So, and the idea, I want to go back to something that you said, the finite time we have here. And we keep trying, uh, before, it, when there were simpler times, people thought, oh, well, life is just 
you know, we just transact, you know, we harvest the grain when it shoots up and we till the fields. We do when things show up, we're following the seasons. And there was also this sense of, oh, we're going to have an afterlife. This isn't the only life. There was this continuity. So there was less pressure to create a great life. And now there's this sense of, oh, we can get better and better and better in our own lives. And there's less of a sense of this continuity. Mm -hmm. And so we're like trying to cram everything in to make our lives great versus this you know, moderately me mediocre life. Is that not moderately mo meaningful? <laughs> Sorry, moderately, Moder moderately meaningful life. <laughs> that you said mediocre says you still have a time issue on this. Hey, so. believe me, I'm an Olympic athlete. So I like that perfection. However, you know, my sister passed away, my aunt passed away. These were two important women in my life. And I got, and my aunt was very successful in her business career. And yet she's gone. And my sister, I think, struggled to find her passion and just had a job, but she's gone. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am going to end. It was very, it is confronting. Like, what am I doing with my life? And because it is this one precious life we have, and who am I doing it for? Because I could do all this. I used to do all this stuff to please my dad. Maybe he'll actually acknowledge me that, you know, that's not really what happened. But, and realizing, oh, I have to make these choices for myself. Yeah. And the, I mean, the idea being, you know, we, I don't want to, I don't know that I'm totally, I do have some beliefs that there's more to this than just this one finite human oh, life. Oh, yeah, yeah. However, <laughs> so I'm not going to even touch that one too far because that'll take us off our time element for today. But I, I do think the idea that really all you can control is the moment in front of you. Mm. Now you can do what you can do to set up to be successful. So I really liked in this book, he wasn't saying don't ever plan. He was saying, plan, do this, do the things you can do, but don't kid yourself. It's not about whether you get to do that or not that is what makes a good life. It's the act of living into whatever moment shows up. Mm -hmm. And that is very important, I think, for us these days to get, mm -hmm. you know, because there isn't just because you do it right or you do it well or you've planned out everything. It still doesn't mean that it's going to, in the end, you're going to, get the flight you want or you're going to make make it on time but you i mean sure you can set yourself up for some things but then you're in it so live in it yeah be <laughs> present to it there is that he talks about we all know about the fear of missing out fomo and he talks about the joy of missing out and how much we are confronted, we have to choose. There are so many options about what can make a great life, whether they're career options or just entertainment options, travel options. And if you try to do everything, you'll get nothing done. But really making your choices is an important part of identifying what you value, how you choose to spend your time. Yeah, and to, and you know, another little point that I found really valuable was this idea that stick with something. You know, don't just give up because it's not working right away. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, there was a story about photography. I guess photographers, when they come out, try to practice with somebody. I better not tell this story because I'm not <laughs> going to do it justice. But you should read it because it's a good story. But if you're starting something new, we tend to want to give up on it if we're not getting the results. First thing, we tend to copy people to help us get better. But then we realize there's a that doesn't work. It takes, you got to go through that copying stage so you get good enough that you get then become original. Mm -hmm. But if you don't stay in it long and commit to your path, you won't stay in it long enough. Yeah. You that know? was essentially that photographer's journey that everybody copies. And then 
if they keep going, if they don't give up, then they start to kind of play around with their own ideas and come up with their own style if they hang in with it. If they hang in. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've kind of used up our time for today. (laughs) (laughs) So um, hopefully you have found this insightful and we'll consider getting the book and taking a read and let us know. Well, I want to actually before, can you talk a little bit about the whole idea of that we are time? You know, like we we developed in the industrial revolution, this clock and Oh, yeah. I mean, I found that fascinating what happened when we kind of went through the Industrial Revolution and started to keep track of time, because that's actually where we got where we really got into this productivity trap, too, you know, and that the idea that instead of thinking of it like, okay, time is something out there. It's like these buckets on a conveyor belt yeah. and our employer owns so many buckets on the conveyor belt. And we feel bad if we take an hour, one of the buckets, let's say, and do something personal like, oh, we're stealing from. And employers can feel that way as yeah. well. And it, the whole idea of it used to be piecework, like here, here's all, I've made 20 of these, pay me. But the Industrial Revolution started measuring and measuring, measuring. Right. And, and that there's even a time management book from 1908 as people started moving to cities and working in factories and that time pressure. We're not, this isn't a new thing. Right. And the idea being that it's as though time was out there, something we could control. Uh-huh. And the reality of it is time is not out there. We are ticking. Our heart ticks. We are time. Mm. That's it. We don't control time. It's not out there. It's, you know. That's like a, that's like a mind blown, you know, and I have to kind of marinate on that because anybody who, including myself, trying to master or be more efficient or control something that really is not controllable. Yes. So, you know, again, doesn't mean you don't plan, doesn't mean you don't try things, but being aware of not trying to cram everything into your timetable. choices. And there are some helpful questions and some things at the end for those of you that really do need those tips and answers and things you could be doing that could be helpful. So feel free to take a look at that. We're less interested in that. We like you to just start asking the questions. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you to the client that gave us this book. It's, It's created a lot of thinking and it really is i think the ding it's gotten on a self-help book is because it's not like do these five things and you'll be successful it's more like hey this is really the life journey it's like a meta part of the conversation and watching your choices and being kind to yourself yes there are other things i could start talking about but i you know i was think we've done enough Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, she I, thinks we don't have enough time. I'm enjoying the conversation. She's well, missing the moment. Well, right I was here. thinking about another thing I thought was really I I appreciate it. And I appreciate this because it comes up around people who are trying to be their authentic self. It's the mm-hmm. same idea in the world that I live in. A lot of people who come in get this notion that they could be authentic and and it's kind then of they like, should, should be, be authentic. authentic. <laughs> they should be there. And I'm like, no, you know, that's, you've lost that train. You know, you're not going to be your ideal self either. You're not going to be perfect, but be who you are. That's kind of the idea. And with this, you know, the same thing can happen with people with time. They've sort of like, okay, I'll never, I'm not going to look at a clock anymore. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to do affirmations. And, but, and they actually take this thing to a, another stage of, development, which really isn't that like trying to be the guru of time management or the new age time, like, okay, we're going to let it all go. And it's like, no, that's not actually 
the point of this either. That's just a flip side. It's know? kind of like a continuum, like with time management on one side or like really uber Con yeah. controlling and then more like woo in the flow. And that actually we, we live in a society that we do have to operate with our time. <laughs> but yeah. how are we holding that? What's our frame on that? Like dropping it all together is no better than over managing it. Right. And so how do you actually find that balance? Which And was... I think you were making the reference which I like being perfect is the controlling versus being authentic. And really you kind of go back and forth between both. Yes. Is that fit? Uh, well, yes, you know. I was just trying to good link enough. those concepts. Good enough. <laughs> good, good enough time management. That's what this is about. And good enough humans. <laughs> All right. Hope you enjoyed this. Let us know what you think, and we'll be on again soon. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. If you want to take some of what you've learned on today's episode to the next level, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. Go to www.thriveinc.com forward slash team kit to learn more. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T.